0: Welcome to the Tech Study Hall podcast with your host, my dad, Dr. Rich Smith. Let's get started. All right. Welcome back to episode 103 of the Tech Study Hall podcast, where you can go to explore all about 21st century learning and ed tech integration in hopes to take steps forward in your tech independence. My name is Rich, and today we're going to talk about about you, about getting organized for our back-to-school and using Google Apps for Education to benefit that, organizations. But first, I'd like to thank my son, Finn, again, for helping me out with all of those segments and the introductions. Um, it's so much fun to work on this project with him, and you know, it, it's what it's all about, right? Working together, uh, regardless of age, regardless of skill level, being vulnerable and pushing out a product that we're proud of Um, and knowing that we worked hard to get there. So just as a reminder, what's the goal of Tech Study Hall? Well, it's to inspire educators like you to explore new ways to use technology as a way to access your lessons while using 21st century learning strategies to keep students engaged. Whether that's using tech tools formally or just talking about some integration ways and some strategies, it's a way to, to look at our learners and help them to obtain knowledge in a different way from what we experience ourselves. But the one thing that hasn't changed in all of that is the importance of relating our learning experience to a world that makes sense for all of us. Today's objective. All right. As I said in the intro, today's objective is all about organization. And for you, it's important as a teacher to be organized in your digital environment. Keeping your resources and files tidy saves time. Studies have shown this, and it creates a sequence to follow and keeps your lessons to flow smoothly. And we get that, but we need to also model a digital behavior for our students. And there are lots of ways to keep yourselves organized. You know, we look at lists and paper planners and calendars. These are all great examples of a way to teach organization. And we might even transfer some of that onto our students and using their own student planners or showing them how to make lists or to keep folders Um, Separate folders to keep their work together. But given the uncertain climate of the pandemic, just keeping that in mind, I also think it's important for us to teach our students to do this virtually as well. And then let them choose which way works better for them. You know, outside of the pandemic, it's a great way to show our learners the interconnectivity of our digital world too, and to teach them how to work smarter and not harder. So for today's episode, we're going to dedicate some time. And we're going to talk about just a few of my favorite organizational tools inside of Google Apps for Education Suite. That'll hopefully save you and your students some time and stay organized in that digital world. Roll call! All right. Well, you know what, Finn, there's no roll call today because it's just me and it's going to be kind of what I would call a segue episode, if you will. Um, We're going to try this format today. And then next week, though, or I'm sorry, two weeks from today, excuse me. In two weeks from today, we're going to be joined by the amazing Stephanie DeMichael of the Educational Services Center of Northeast Ohio. She's an instructional coach there and has an amazing perspective on integrating ed technology in a safe way to your classroom. But what we, dis- what we explore together and what we talk about is vulnerability as an educator, which in the 21st century learning movement is huge. You know, when it comes to establishing a partnership and engagement in our classroom, it really helps to embrace the idea of positive failure or being vulnerable in our students. You know, um, so make sure you, I don't want to give it too much away, but make sure you check back in two weeks for Tech Study Hall. And uh, it's this show you're not going to want to miss. Time for the lesson. All right, so let's get down to our discussion for today with a little bit of a reflection. Now, all of my friends would tell you, anyone who knows me well knows that I'm a self-professed office supply junkie. I think it all started probably back in the first grade. Our kindergarten and first grade were in this little building that was a little separated from the rest of the school. And our teacher in the classroom had her own ditto machine. Now, anyone who knows what I might be talking about out there knows that that involves this huge roller that has this blue ink that you would use. And as you're spinning the roller, it's printing whatever it is you have in the master onto that paper. And I used to love the smell, the absolute joy of smelling that blue ink. I'm sure it was completely healthy for me, but I used to love the smell of that blue ink on that paper or how warm the paper might be. And to this day, I still love to listen, or listen, <laughs> I still love the smell of a toner in the morning as the machine is starting to warm up for printing. Or um, when I used to work in my other life as a trainer, um, we used to send our manuals and training workbooks over to the big print shop. And they would say, you know, they're ready, come pick them up. And I would love to jump down there and get my car, drive down and pick up all the copies of the books that we were printing because it was a whole building full of toner. Now, some people probably say that's part of my problem, but I'm going to say that it's just part of my infatuation with keeping myself organized and leads to office supplies. Now, I collect pens and clips and notepads and pencils and binders, you name it, any supply that's out there, I think I'm absolutely infatuated with. As a matter of fact, I always try to think of a different way to organize my paper files differently each year. I think it helps keep it fresh for me, and it kind of is almost like a time hop of where I was in different organizational steps in my life. Um, eventually, I probably have to join a support group for this, but let's think about it this way I look at trips to Office Max or Staples the same way some people might actually shop for clothing or cars. Now, when it came to calendars, I was a huge Franklin Covey fan. Um, Or the the at-a-glance agenda planner was like right up my alley there because it was a great way for me to choose ways, different ways to keep lists and stay organized, to develop a calendar, especially with Franklin Covey. um, be able to develop a calendar that fit my needs. And there were so many choices to choose from. Now, one of my other favorite things, even to this day, is I love starting a new school year with a fresh planner, a nice clean grade book, and a straight from the box group of pens and paper clips and whiteout and post-it notes and all this fun stuff. And I probably won't even use some of it because I'm so digitally in tune, but... I just love having them there, just knowing that I need them. And I do use my Post-it notes and some of my pads and pens to kind of make my quick lists or some jot some notes down occasionally. But for the most part, I've transferred most of my stuff online. Now, the one thing I've learned, though, is that even though I love all of the stuff, that the more I started to incorporate technology into my daily routine, that the paper planners became a little redundant. And I'm sure that there are still people out there who like to use them and feel it's a nice way of backing themselves up. And that's fine. It's totally up to you. It's your wheelhouse. It's your style. To be honest with you, I still use a paper grade book, not because I do any kind of complicated compli- or computations in there, but sometimes it's just a quick way if you're running up and down an aisle way to, to check off some items that might be accomplished. Or, you know, I will put the raw scores in there and then let the computers do the rest. It's just a great way to 10 key it in to the system. So again, whatever works for you, whatever works and helps to keep you efficient in the work style that you do, you know, one of the things I will remind you, though, is we do have to evolve with the tools and the strategies that become available to us in the open market. So that kind of takes us to Google Calendar, right? So as, a, as the digital age became more prevalent in the workplace, we had our Outlook email or now in our schools, it's more prevalent for us to use Gmail. You know, we get these invitations from email that would include adding events to our calendar. So Google couldn't have made this integration any easier when developing Google Classroom and assignment and due dates. You know, think about for a second, we're going to walk away from calendar and walk over to Google Classroom. When creating an assignment for anything with a due date or a time, that date is transferred to your student's Google Calendar, you know, and, and use it for efficient means of communicating with them through Google Classroom and Calendar all at once, some of your expectations for the class. So it would make sense to me that if you if, it, if you could be using this way as a way to help your students get organized and to help them with their work, then why not try to incorporate the use of Calendar into their daily life? So take some time to give them a little bit of a tour. Um, show your students how to create their own appointments for non-Google-related items, Um, you know, or non-Google classroom-related items, rather. Set alarms for events as reminders for yourself, Um, high schoolers who might have cell phones or even some junior high students that might have cell phones and using Google. You know, talk to your parents about getting the app for your phone or finding out a way that your phone can sync up to Google or Gmail or Google Calendar so that your events transfer over and you can know how to sync your phone that way and then get alerts from your phone as well as when you open up your Chromebook. You know, learn how to set those appointments to collaborate, share, remind students within their groups. These are all great ways to get a group project underway and to get a way to organize themselves digitally. You know, to help keep those appointments like extracurriculars and clubs at bay. You know, set reminders for yourself. And the one thing about this is it's 100% included with Google Apps for Education. So the tool's already there. Just see if you can find a way to work it into your daily routine. You know, one of the things that I've also noticed in my experiences with students is um, that they tend to treat email now the way we might treat snail mail that's coming in. I know I don't look look forward to the daily mail delivery because we never know what bills come in in there. And while most of our stuff is online now and we've seen a great decrease in snail mail, you know, there are still those occasional flyers or advertisements and stuff. And we're just like, I don't want to deal with this now. So you just kind of toss it on to the table or the desk and you'll check it out when you have time. Well, you know what? Our students are doing the same thing with their email sometimes. And so we need to also show our students from that perspective how they can organize themselves in Gmail um, to make it worth their while. You know, the ability to take a time or date task to create lists and store items can all be done right from Gmail. You can create an event dates. And and guess what? Where that goes, people, when you create an event inside of Gmail, you guessed it, it goes right into your Google Calendar. Uh, You can create a checklist that's easily accessible Um, from your Gmail and kind of check things off as you go along. There's a wonderful new app called Google Keep. And we're going to talk a few more minutes and a few more minutes about that. But, um, you know, these are all accessible via your Gmail. So it's a great way to kind of connect some of these apps together that should be connected. And then they're on the right hand side of Gmail when you're logged in. But the other thing I want you to think about is how you can use Gmail more effectively to organize the mail itself. So let's get back to Gmail itself then. So another option is to show our students how to set up a filter for their inbox and to move incoming emails to a folder to view later. Now, this filter option allows you to move lesser important emails to what they call labels or um, what Outlook might call files. Um, Have them look at that to view at a later time. It allows us to spend more time on what's important coming into the inbox. And so if we start seeing some things are all kind of starting to flood in as we join onto subscriptions ourselves as teachers or maybe some um, other outside communication from the the programs that we use might come to our students as well. You know, they need to learn how to filter out the noise. Even the fact that they're using their Gmail for club emails possibly or sports, maybe even showing them how to filter that. So the stuff that's coming in is focused on education and it's not getting rid of anything. It's just taking the opportunity to organize it differently so that when they have more time, they can take a look at those emails. So again, that filter co- that filter option allows you to move lesser important emails to read at a later time. This is a huge time saver. And I do want to take a minute, though, to describe this process to you in case you haven't tried it before. Uh, first, what you do inside of Gmail is you go to the search box. This is one of many ways to, to kind of filter your emails out a little bit. And you're going to search as if you're going to look for an email with inside your box. Now, there you'll see a downward arrow inside that search box, and it's going to drop down for more options. And from there, you'll be able to choose um, emails that are, your, that are coming in. So you can use the from email or the to or even filter things by subject matter or a combination of all of them. And there's a ton of other filtering criteria for you. So check it out. Then you're going to click on the button that says create filter at the bottom of that search box. Then you'll have some directions that will allow you to choose where the email goes when the filter hits. So you can send an email to a pre-made label or what they call filter folders inside of Outlook. Um, You can look at the pre-made label or create a new label where it's going to be housed. And then at the very end of that, you're going to click on create filter and then give it a try. And when you check back later, you'll see numbers appear next to the labels on the left-hand side of your Gmail that indicates that you have a new item to view in those labels or folders. Now, imagine how much more often your students will actually use their email if they can have it catered to their needs. And for that matter, think about our own opportunities that we can filter through by getting rid of the noise in our email. You know, as I said before, these subscriptions or um, even if you have commonly um, received emails that you get from colleagues, you can start creating filter um, labels for them. You can start creating filter labels for them so that that stuff is the stuff that you know you can get to later. It's not that it's lesser important, but just stuff that doesn't have to be read right away. So this is a huge time saver overall. So, you know, we've talked about Um, The idea of using Google Calendars and so far filtering Gmail, we've even talked a little bit about Google Classroom, and I could do a whole podcast about Google Classroom. But now what I want to do is talk a little bit about one of my newer favorite Google Apps for Education editions, and that's Google Keep. Now, Keep is a great way to make to-do lists, set reminders, make notes, etc. And think of it as a big digital Post-it notepad. And what's amazing is that you can share and collaborate those to-do lists with other Google users as well. Now, this tool is definitely definitely worth a checkout. So I remember that as a doctoral student, I started to keep all of my links to my research and start making observational notes about that research inside of Google Keep. And all I had to do was just start a brand new Keep note. And then just use it as I was going along so I can title it whatever I was going to use it for, make some notes and how I was going to use it for my research, and then have the link to that research there um, with an article that I may have saved by PDF inside of a Google Drive. It was a great way to digitally organize my thoughts. And I always had my computer with me so I didn't have to worry about forgetting note cards or notebooks or anything like that. Now, if you want to use Google Keep in another fun way, you can decorate those notes and add more later And then keep those individualized so you can create checklists and reuse those checklists over and over again and just update it with the stuff that you have to accomplish. So, like, I have a couple of them, right? I use one for shopping um, if I have to stop and grab stuff on the way home from work. I've got stuff that I have for school as my uh, technology director's position. I have stuff that I have as a teacher that I want to keep separate I have a couple that I use for um, the research I'm doing for my classes. So there's a lot of different notes, and I have it all organized in one space, and I don't have to worry about bringing paper or pens or anything like that with me, highlighters, whatever the case may be, as I'm using Google Keep. Now, um, for students, you can show them this way as well. It's a great ability to organize tasks in a fun way. Now, as an aside, when do you come up with some of your best ideas? For me, it's when I'm in the shower, or driving on the road, or taking a walk somewhere, it's always in the most inconvenient time to just kind of stop and start typing. And it's hard to write stuff down then. So in the mobile app of Google Keep, you have the ability to make voice notes and record your thoughts. And then as you log into your Google Keep later on in your computer, those voice notes and recordings are there within seconds waiting for you. As soon as it syncs up, it's there, and you can get those thoughts down into a list, or you can start writing out what it is that you need, it's a great way for you to have like almost a digital assistant at your at your beck and call, right? So anytime you're out having a great idea, you can open up that Google Keep app, hit the microphone button and it starts recording your ideas in a transcript and then it will drop that recording and the transcript inside of Google Keep when you log in the next time. You know, Keep is definitely a keeper when it comes to organizing the digital landscape and hey, I just thought about this. Think of Keep as your digital trapper keeper, right? So can you tell I was a child of the 80s and 90s? Again, a great way to organize all those things you may have lost on paper or file folders in the past. Now, the last organizational opportunity that I wanted to hit is still very much in beta. Um, I think just in the last couple of months, actually, and it's what they call Google Keen, K-E-E-N, Check it out if you have the opportunity. And, again, it fluctuates because it is in beta, so sometimes it goes down for updates. But when it is up and it's working, what I love about Google and any facet they do is if you have any feedback form, if something's not working, you get that little uh uh-oh message and they say, what what snags are you hitting? And so it's a great way to provide them with feedback. I know I've done that myself as well. But Keen is developed to act as a Google version of Pinterest meeting wakelet. And as if you were to blend the two. So it's a great way for you to take your web searches and finds and to organize them for you in lists of links and uh, groups of links that you have interest in and to share it out. And my experience with this is very limited because it is in, in the beta mode right now, but it is a phenomenal tool. Um, and I hope that they keep on developing it because it's going to be a, a big game changer for those of us in Google Apps for Education when it comes to thinking of creative ways to further cultivate a digitally organized culture. And I'll be watching this with great interest as it starts to develop. So some of my, again, these are my top tools for getting you and your students organized at the beginning of the school year. Take some time with this. I'll put some of the videos and some of the resources in the show notes so that you can try and check it out. But again, use Gmail to its greatest advantage. Look at some of the time savers in Google Classroom. You know, in Google Classroom just expanding that a little more. You know, you have the option to pre-plan your lessons and then save it as a draft or set it as a release time, so you can put it out there and get yourself all organized digitally for class. And then hold on to it until you're ready to release it. That's huge. You, know, you can do some online discussions there. You know, Really encourage a learning environment that is there. And if you really want to have fun with it, you can dress up the banners using some of your favorite graphics programs to create things to really make that digital landscape yours. And it helps to trap your students into an air of engagement as well. And I don't mean trap in a bad way, but to really just pique their interest and to get them thinking about the learning that's about to happen. And that's, again, whether you're in person or completely distant. Um, I, I really don't like the distant learning term myself, personally. I've um, been doing a lot of study at Elite LA Catholic lately um, with Dr. Casey Reason um, and the book that he wrote with Lisa Reason and uh, Crystal Geiler on creating the Anywhere, Anytime Classroom. And really, it's all about that engagement that starts at the onset of a class. If you, if you can hook them and if you got got it looking right, think about how excited you are in that first day of school when you decorate the room right? You got your new bulletin boards, you've got some new class tags, and you've got all the books put out on the desk. It's no different in the digital landscape. When you prepare something for your students, it should be engaging for them. It should pull them in. You should be asking for them to give you information to learn more about them. And so you really need to take that time to learn how to organize your digital landscape and share that knowledge with your students. And you know what? As we'll talk about next week with Stephanie DeMichael, Make yourself vulnerable to them. So I'll bet you that there are going to be students in your classroom that will figure out some of the ways to to organize themselves on Gmail or Classroom or Keep or um, Keen or whatever the case may be you might be using to organize yourself. Ask them. You know, they're going to become your subject matter experts at some point in time, and it opens up that air of vulnerability for your students. But, again, more about that in two weeks when we meet up with Stephanie. It's time to wrap it up. All right. I hope I was able to give you at least a good sneak peek into some ways to organize yourself with Google Apps for Education as you begin planning for this upcoming upcoming school year. Um, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty right now and a lot of apprehension going into planning for this year with regards to the pandemic and you know whether we're going to be remote or not going to be remote or a combination of both. You know, don't get swept up in the hype. You know, don't let these different models and plans and, you know, true or false hopes that are out there bog you down in the details of your organization for the upcoming school years. You know, as a profession, teachers, we are resilient professionals. And hopefully we've learned what we liked about the digital learning from the past spring and seen what opportunities we have to further our learning and that we're taking advantage of that time this summer to kind of rethink things and retool things. And I think that's a lot about, um, shows a lot about the growth of our profession, that we can take that experience and really learn from it. So don't wait for officials to determine how you're going to move forward with teaching your classrooms, right? The plans are going to be what the plans are going to be. And it's best for us to be flexible so that we can go and offer the best education possible to our students, regardless of the circumstances. You know, we, we, need, we need to put the can'ts aside and focus on the things we can do well and to make it the best learning experience for our families and their students. You know, we're used to teaching with a plan A, a plan B, and even sometimes a plan C. And if you're afraid of planning for, you know, you know, the wrong thing, here's a little tip for you. Plan on using Google Classroom or whatever your learning management system is going to be. And if you're face-to-face, then you can always pivot and use that digital material as a station for blended learning, or maybe use it as flip learning or um, a way of communicating with your families. And if you have to go full on remote, then you're going to be ready to flip the switch. You know, or if you're starting out with full remote, again, starting that engagement classroom experience online with your students is going to be what pulls them in and makes it more worthwhile. But regardless of how you planned, face-to-face or remote, you've created an amazing communication tool to get your students on board with learning, and that's what it's all about. So there's no reason for anyone to make that determination for you if you're at the ready-to-go with the modality that you're asked to teach in. You're just ready to go. It's just another year of planning for you. You know, we're in the 21st century, and our learners can benefit to learn how to organize themselves in a way and respond in a way that they too can flip a switch, that it doesn't matter with them. You know, the barrier doesn't matter. The walls don't matter. But the fact that they know that you're going to be there and that you're going to be ready to give them the best learning, it doesn't matter what modality they learn in. It really doesn't, as long as you're preparing yourself. You know, these are all things that we've seen at conferences. and We've said, let's worry about that next time or let's worry about later on this year or I'll come back to it this summer. And sometimes we go to it and sometimes we don't. But now is the time for us to step up and show the world we're more than just what it looks like on the news or we're more than what it may seem in their own minds that we do that we actually take this learning seriously and we take our students seriously so we owe it to ourselves to use technology to the best of our own benefit and if you're a google school use these tools that are already at your disposal they're already there they're yours for the taking you can do it so take some time to prep yourself before next school year And look at some of the opportunities that are out there. Look at some of these tools in Google Apps for Education. Look at some of these local experts or some of these. You don't even have to have them local. You can have them all around you, right? That's the beauty of the Internet. So you're going to take some of these tools that you're prepping for next year and take some time to peruse some of the field experts. Some of my favorites, and I'll put their links in the show notes, are Eric Kurtz at Control-Alt-Achieve or Alice Keeler at alicekeeler.com. You know, there are other hosts for podcasts out there and just a couple of my favorites, you know, get some ideas from my friends, Eric and Nick at Got Tech, the podcast or Jake Miller. I love Jake Miller's podcast because it's not always about the tech you use, but it's about thinking outside of the box. Right. And so Jake is a great way, um, has some great opportunities and some great thought processes and thinking outside of the box and including some of those tech um, options as well. So I'll include all the links to them, some of my favorites, and I have many others that we'll share throughout the time together in Tech Study Hall. But know that with these people and others like them and myself, we're here to help you. Um, We are in this together. It Really, we are in this together. So if you have any questions, reach out through my website at www.techstudyhall.org or look for Tech Study Hall on Facebook and join the group. I want to try my first live session on Facebook this Wednesday, July 22nd, 2020 at 7 p.m. Feel free to join the group. Join me and ask some questions that you might have, some things that you might, some barriers you might have. I might see if I can get a guest or two to join me. And let's see if we can work through that together. And if we can't, then guess what? I'll take it back. I promise you this. We'll look at it. We'll research it. Maybe make it another podcast or go on another live session and figure it out. And if you want to ask any of these questions ahead of time, feel free to reach out through the website and send me an email. But until next time, I'm Rich, and I'm reminding you to give tech a try. Any small steps forward is still a part of the greater journey in learning. This has been Tech Study Hall. Class is adjourned. Be well, everyone. Music and sound effects used during Tech Study Hall is provided royalty-free under the Use and Mention license from HookSounds.com. Other music and sound effects are courtesy of Bensound.com and IncomTech.com. For more information about how you can be a part of Tech Study Hall, contact Rich at rmstechspot at gmail.com or visit www.techstudyhall.org for follow up information, research, or contact options. Are we done yet?